Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. You guys put me in the light. There was 12 seconds on the clock, man. I didn't know what to do. I was a pastor in the lights. Uh, Hey, uh, so glad to be with you, and uh, we're continuing in our series, Rediscover the Joy of Christmas. Well, I greet all of you who are worshiping with us online. Those of you here, if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Chip Freed. I get the privilege of being the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church. I need to take a moment of privilege and thank you all so much for praying for our family. I get a little emotional, sorry. Um, It was hard for me to sing, How Great Is Our God? Um, The last two weeks... uh, my, if you don't know, if you're a guest or if you're online, uh, our oldest child, our daughter, um, uh, had to have major brain surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. And we spent the last 12 days there where she was scheduled to have two uh, very, very significant brain surgeries. Ended up having three uh, to have to correct the situation. Um, but we felt your prayers, cards, texts, uh, many of you, just even if you didn't do that and were holding us in prayer, um, my sister was up with us, and she met a family that she uh, works with at the food um, uh, bank in Youngstown, Ohio. And this family are believers just like, you know, we are. And they said that one of their sisters was in a major car accident out in Dallas, and she was in a coma for over a month, and she survived. And she said during her coma, she said, I could literally hear the prayers of people praying for me. And that's, it stopped me in my tracks when I heard that because I really felt the prayers we did uh, for Tiana. Tiana this morning, she's with us for the next six to eight weeks rehabbing. And she, you know, I was trying to sneak out the house and keep her quiet. And she said, Dad, tell the church I love them and thank them for praying for me. She is tumor-free and all the pathology came back. Um, thank you, Jesus. The pathology came back all benign, which we were, we were praying for and trusting for. And so, and I know we don't always get that good news, but I'm going to tell you, you all reminded us of it. So really, really thank you for that. Um, and so if I'm a little shaky today, I'm not going to try to win a Grammy, okay? I'm, I'm just going to preach. In this series, Rediscover the Joy of Christmas, we started two weeks ago where I talked about seeing joy even in darkness, experiencing joy even when the circumstances are not as we like them. I talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is what happens to you. It's from the word happenstance. But joy is a condition. It's an inner confidence and peace and trust in God that, like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's a condition in spite of your circumstances. And so we talked about joy in the darkness. Last week, Pastor Kurt talked about joy for the lowly. 
And if you join us today at our South Euclid campus, we will be bringing joy to children and youth who are historically underserved, just like our partnership with Building Hope uh, in the city. See, my brother over here from Building Hope, I said, you guys, we're like uh, Grant and Sherman. You take them from the west, we'll take them from the east, and we'll make sure Cleveland experiences joy. Amen? So that, that's our calling. And, and, and Kurt talked about Mary's song, Joy to the Lowly. Okay, Mary was lowly. I know we've venerated her and she's worth it, you know, and we, we put out these Christmas cards where she's a middle-aged, milky white, um, you know, uh, I won't say which political party she belonged to, but, you know, American um, and a, a, a velvet Macy's dress on. And we neglect the fact that Mary was 13, 14-year-old tops living in squalor, impregnant uh, outside of marriage. She was lowly, but she said, God, you looked even at me. And she experienced joy. Today, I want to talk about spreading joy, telling and hearing, so experiencing joy as we go, right? You've heard the great commission. Jesus at the end said, go into all the world. Do you know, it's really wonderful. Jesus always calls us in and God says, come here, come here, come here, come here. And when we get there, he says, go. Have you ever noticed that? Like Abraham, Sarah, come on. I know you're comfortable in your retirement. Come unto me because I want to bless you and, and, and be with you. Now go and bless all the families of the earth. Moses on the backside of the desert, right? Fleeing for his life from, from the authorities, a, a wanted criminal and a burning bush came and Moses went to the burning bush and, and God said, come here and take off your sandals. Now what that meant was, you know, it, it, the ground was dangerous and in that day and age, they'd lay down animal furs and, and so when you go into someone's house, you were safe with your feet. He's, God said, Moses, come here, you're safe with me. I don't want you for a crime, I want you for you. And Moses came in and was comfortable and God said, now get up and go to Pharaoh and preach freedom and justice for all. It's an amazing thing. God calls us in to send us out. And at the very end of the gospel, when Jesus is raised, Matthew 28 tells us what we call the great commission. And Rick Warren was right when he said only a great commitment to the great commission will build a great church that we go. It's interesting and make disciples of who all people right? Baptizing and, and sharing the good news. It's interesting if you read that great commission in the original Greek, it's in like, um, it's in like a, a, an imperative form of the verb where it literally reads, as you go, make disciples. I love that. As you go about your life, as you go about your waking up and, and getting up and laying down life, share joy, spread, spread joy. And as you spread joy, you'll experience joy. I've been a pastor for 33 years. I've only served two churches in my life and served a little stint as a superintendent where I had to oversee 80 churches. But in my journey in churches, I have met people who have not had joy. I've met people who are hurting, legitimate hurt and pain and suffering and grief. And to a person, they will always come up to me or sometime, some way and say, Pastor, how do I get over this hurt? How do I get through this grief? And I've given the same answer that I've discovered in my own life because I've been in those ash heaps of adversity. And, and I don't understand exactly how it works, but only in the wonderful, all-knowing way of God. I will say to them, if you want to heal your hurts, reach out and heal the hurts in others. I don't know how it works, but it always does. 
if we can reach out as, as, as in our common brokenness to reach out to others, our hurts will be experience healing. It doesn't mean they won't go away. It doesn't mean we won't cry. It doesn't mean we won't ache. But we will be joining in that community of people who are broken just like us. And if you want to experience joy, a good way to do it is to spread joy. Luke's gospel is all about hearing and telling, telling and hearing. Luke's, you, you, see it through, you see it in the beginning, whoops, you see it in the beginning and you see it throughout the book of Acts, which Luke also writes, what's Pentecost? Pentecost is hearing from Jesus and these disciples who couldn't, Peter couldn't even share his faith to one woman by a fire in the middle of the night when he was accused three times, you know, you're one of Jesus's followers. And he said, Jesus, Jesus who? But after they heard from God, after they were filled with the spirit, after they heard about the power of the resurrection, Peter's now out in the streets doing what? Preaching in the middle of traffic in the city of God to thousands, right? It's hearing and it's telling. It's telling and it's hearing. So they hurried off, the shepherds did, right? After they heard from God and they spread the word, the Bible says. They shared the gospel. They told about this child. They, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard, right? Luke's gospel is about telling and hearing, telling and hearing. And they, they, they said, just as we had been told, they shared the message, okay? Um, and, you know... There's a lot of shouting going on out in our world right now. If you don't belong to Twitter, get on it. Christian Twitter scares me. It's terrifying. There's a lot of shouting going on. There's not a lot of hearing. There's not a lot of hearing. We're, we're, we're called to be people that hear. I, there was an old revival circuit I was on, and preachers used to say, just shout when you don't know. And I, I tell you, man, there's some place. That's why Martin Luther King Jr. once said, you can have more religion in your hands and feet than you have in your heart and soul. And still waters run deep too. We don't hear, right? And, and spreading joy begins with God speaking and us hearing. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, see, do not be afraid. It begins with God speaking. We serve a speaking God. In the beginning was the word. God is always speaking. He spoke creation into existence. And the angels spoke into the shepherds' lives, not fear, but faith. That God so loved the world. I don't know where we forgot that. A lot of preachers and politicians out there kind of trying to scare us and tell us God hates the world. God doesn't hate the world. Don't believe them. Tune them out. God loved the world and God's heart breaks over the way we break the world. This is the world that God loves. <clears throat> so spreading joy, spreading joy begins with God speaking in us hearing. And here's the key. How do we hear? Let Mary be our guide here. It was very interesting. It said that, that uh, Mary, uh, I had it somewhere. Uh, okay, I didn't put it in there. It's my fault. Um, or wait, no, yes, sorry. I'm not winning a Grammy today. I'm a little rattled. I'm a preacher and a dad. Okay. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, right? Say that. But Mary. So Mary's a contrast here. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
It's really interesting. The shepherds share the message. It says, all the crowd was amazed. But Mary, she pondered it. So there's a difference here. The crowd's kind of hearing, but not totally hearing. And Mary shows us how to hear. She's, she's pondering, right? Um, Mary could have said, hey, I don't have to listen to these shepherds. I got an angel a chapter earlier, right? She did. Remember the Annunciation? I, I don't need to listen to these. But Mary's, she's open. She's an equal opportunity listener. She listens to children. She listens to, to uh, people on the left. She listens to people on the right. She listens to people in the church. She listens to Methodists and Pentecostals. And I don't know what I am. She listens She's open, right? She's listening to people. And, and, and how, how she hears is these two words. First, she pondered the message. You know what the word ponder means in the Greek? It means to put into context, to connect. She's, she's working on this message. She's looking at this message. She's taking it into herself. And she's saying, what about this gospel message is relative to how I'm living my life right now? What, what, what is this saying to me? What is this speaking to me? Where is it challenging me? She's pondering it. She didn't just amen it and walk out of church. She, she took it in. She's listening. She's grasping it. Uh, you know, um, we, we, we just sometimes don't ponder things. We just, we just kind of nod and, and go away. Do you ever have people say this to you, something like, hey, have you ever heard about nuclear, biatric, whatever, fission, fusion? And, you know, we don't want to look stupid in the conversation. So what do we do? We go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we have no idea. No idea. Have you ever heard of George Sweeney? Do you know George? Oh, yeah, George. Yeah. You don't know who George is. Come on. I'm not the only person that does this. You do it, don't you? Because, you know, we don't want to get stuck and ask a question and be in a 20-minute conversation. So, oh, yeah, I know George. You don't know George. Mary's just not saying, oh, yeah, this is great news. Oh, okay, I got it. She's pondering it. She's wrestling with it. She's saying, what does this mean to me? See, pondering takes mental discipline. You have to think. You know, anybody that says to accept Jesus, you need to check your brains in at the door is a liar. You think, you ponder. Mary is pondering Christmas, and she's treasuring up. That, I love that word in the Greek, too. Treasuring up, it means to keep something alive. She's fanning the flame. Pondering has to do with her head. Treasuring up has to do with her heart. You know, in keeping the, the, the faith alive, she's relishing in it. She's savoring it. And we can't underestimate our ability to not fully hear the word of God. The crowd was amazed, but they went home. Mary was treasuring and she was pondering. And you know, when you come into worship and you hear one of us up here on stage, we're, we're, we're shepherds, we're telling, we're sharing uh, what we heard from the angels in our, our study. But you know, we're not always here during the week. And so are you taking what you heard at times or from the songs, from whatever, are you pondering it? Are you fanning it? Are you treasuring it up? Because that's the only way we hear, right? Um, can you hold your own attention beyond today when you think about God? We're up here. We're trained professionals on how to hold your attention. Can you hold your own attention? Can you ponder? Can you treasure? That's, that's how we hear. We ponder the word of God. We fasten it. We drill it down until it catches fire in our minds. And when we hear it, when we really hear it, that's when we must go and tell. So I said, Pope John Paul said, you can't be a Christian and not talk about it. 
You can't be a, he says, it's impossible to be a Christian to experience the love of Jesus Christ and then don't share it. <laughs> Look at these shepherds. They got the word and they shared it. With who? With everybody. Because they heard the angel say, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Now understand, the shepherds were at the bottom of society, okay? They, they were at the bottom of the totem pole. In fact, they still are to this day. I've led five tours to Israel, and the Bedouin shepherds live in tent camps outside the cities. They don't go into the cities. They, they're, they're looked down on by all the people. They don't mingle with the people. They stay to themselves. But look at these shepherds. They could have said, hey, we've got this great joy. We've got this great news. Let's go tell our folk about it, right? That's kind of what we would do. We, we share it with our people, or we, we talk about it with our political party. We talk about with our people that, you know, uh, confirm our own biases. These shepherds could have said, well, those people hate us, but God says we're worthy and let's just go on a shepherd tour. But they went into the city. They went to the people that despised them and they shared good news, a great joy. And there was joy in that city. I said years ago when I came to Garfield, I want us to be an Acts 8-8 church where people could look at Garfield Memorial and say, you know what, I'm not sure I believe what they believe. I'm not sure, you know, they look a little weird. They got like Noah's Ark. They got two of every kind. I don't know about them, but boy, am I glad they're here. That's been my goal for this church. And I've heard that from outside. And you know where that comes from? It comes from Acts 8.8, where, you know, uh, you know, you read the book of Acts, it's interesting. Jesus said, go into all the world and be my disciples, be my witnesses. You know, in Jerusalem, Judea, the county, Samaria, where you don't want to go because you hate those folk, and the ends of the earth. And I, you ever read Acts 2 after Pentecost? It's so warm and fuzzy. It says that day by day, they, they gathered in the temple and they listened to the apostles' teaching. And day by day, they gathered in each other's homes and they broke bread and they shared what they had with anyone who had need. It's so, it's so cozy. It's like a fire at Christmas. That when I, In the beginning of my ministry, I always said, oh, I want to be an Acts 2 church. I don't want to be an Acts 2 church anymore. I don't like Acts 2 church. You know why? Because Jesus told them to go. But they stayed. They stayed. And it wasn't until Acts 8 that things get interesting. Now it says the persecutions came and they were scattered. And they began to share the word of God wherever they went. They, became, they went from being ministry consumers to be ministry providers, which is what Jesus wanted for them in the first place. And poor Philip, if you read Acts 8, the Holy Spirit is just beating him up. It, Philip, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, it, it sent him down to Samaria. These were ethnic, historic enemies. They hated each other. The Jews hated the Samaritans. In fact, if they touched a Samaritan, they would be unclean for life. But God said, you go to the people that you despise, but whom I love. And as you spread joy, you experience joy. And he went out there in Samaria and he planted a church and he laid hands on them. And he, he was in the ministry of healing and telling the good news of God. And the people rejoiced. And at the sound of it, there was great joy in that city as we get over ourselves and as we move out into the world, thank God these shepherds got over their, their own situations and circumstances and were willing to share the word of God with people who wouldn't give them the time of day. 
See, Jesus didn't come and say, you know, uh, if you read Matthew 25, he didn't say, I was a political candidate and you voted for me. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I, I didn't have clothes and you, you gave your clothes for me. I, 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 I was a stranger. The word literally means I was an immigrant. I was a foreigner. I was an alien, but you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me because you learned to love your enemies and bless those who curse you and, and, and to reach out with the love and give to all who have need. Jesus said, that's, you know, that's what I will remember. I won't remember how you voted. Right? 3,000 years, 3 billion years from now in eternity, we won't remember what a president was. Hello. Okay. He, Jesus said, I want you to get over that stuff and go out and share the joy of the city. The shepherds were willing to share joy even when it cost them something. So here's the crux of my message today. And we don't talk about this enough, but it strikes me in the story. You know, um, we feel like God only appears to us, you know, in the dramatic, right? If we don't get an angel, you know, and they better look like the Hallmark ones, we haven't heard from God. You know, if, if the music didn't just take us to that, we haven't heard from God. If we don't get a burning bush, we don't haven't heard from God. If God doesn't knock us off a horse like Paul, we don't, we don't hear a word from God. Do you know what the first Christmas happened? The shepherds got an angel, but the people got a shepherd. You ever thought about that? The shepherd's got an angel. We get a shepherd, right? We always say, well, no, God, I need an angel. No, this reminds us the common ways that God comes. God comes in the simplest ways. God comes through phone calls. God comes through hugs. God comes through, through shepherds, right? Some of you went to Holiday Joy, amen? This amazing band and those singers, was that incredible, right? You know what they were? They're not angels, they're shepherds. They heard the good news of the calling of God, and they just shepherd shared it with us. This morning, our heritage choir tore it up, and they were out at, at homeless shelters this past week singing to the glory of God. And I told them, you guys are a choir of shepherds. You heard from the angels, and, and you share it with others, right? Um, the shepherd says, New Testament scholar Raymond Brown, are the forerunners of all who believe in Jesus, who hear it and share it who hear it and share it. And so my crux of my message today is the shepherd's got an angel. We get a shepherd, go be a shepherd. Go be a shepherd. Go and share what God has done in your life. Go and talk about it. Go and spread joy. It's not easy. It will usually cost you something. It may involve your, your time, your talent, your treasure. As you, as you give to our Christmas offering, our joyful Christmas offering, you're giving so that shepherds and ministry can happen and go out. As you give your time, it may cost you something. As you speak up on your job, it may cost you a promotion. As you speak out against injustice, it may cost you friends and your reputation. It might even cost you your life, but it's worth it. If we believe in this gospel that God so loved the world, right, that, that we're shepherds. We were beneficiary of shepherds all week, texts and emails, and some of you sent cards and sent them to the church. And Tiana said, give me one card every day. She's reading one card a day from family, friends, and church members. And she said, it's enough. There was, there was a woman in our church, a young adult. She happens to worship at our heritage service. I don't want to say her name, but her initials are Kelly Carroll. 
And uh, <laughs> Kelly's a young adult, and she called me, texted me on Tuesday, and she said, Pastor Chip, I don't know, I'm just so led by God, and I feel like I want to do something for Tiana. She was always so kind to the kids at the cafe, and, and I'm just thinking about her, and it's breaking my heart. And she said, I want to send a care package. I said, it'd be great, Kelly. I gave her the room number. I said, thank you, you don't have to do it. That's wonderful. I said, but it was Tuesday. I said, you know, Thursday, she goes back into surgery early. So, you know, if you want to try to get here by Wednesday, she said, yeah, I'm going to get there by Wednesday and, and I'm going to have it delivered. And, and Wednesday came and my wife and I spent, we're spending about, you know, 19 hours a day at the Cleveland Clinic and then going home, getting three hours sleep and going back. And uh, we got up early and we went to the elevators in the parking garage and there's Kelly standing there with this big kind of care package that the food looks so good. I was kind of like, you really got to give that to Tiana, but anyhow, um, but she sat there and she said, Chip, Pastor Chip, I couldn't, I couldn't get anybody to deliver. They didn't say to deliver. So I figured I'd, I'd take it myself. And, and I got up before work and I drove down here. And she said, great, now I can give it to you and you can take it to her. I said, no, you take it to her. Because you will be a visible sign of a church full of folk who love her and are praying for her. And so Kelly followed me up and Tiana's beat up and, you know, that first surgery. And she's, it was a day she was trying to get the courage to go back in and and I said, Tian, somebody's here. And Kelly came in and gave her uh, this care package and said, Tian, we've all been praying for you and we love you. And Tian said, and I love you. And they were hugging there. And I thought, Kelly got an angel. Tian got Kelly. And it was enough. And you be that person. You be that person and share joy, even amongst leak lifeies, even in ways that may cost you something you know, we just told you an opportunity today. You can come over to our South Euclid campus. I'm going to change my clothes, put on my Santa hat, and run over there real quick so I can get back home to my baby. You know, because I've been hearing dad a lot lately. Dad, can you do this? Dad. So I'm a glorified bellhop right now, and I love it. I love it, man. I will be her shepherd. I will be her caretaker, whatever. What did the psalmist say? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than be a general out there in someone else's army. Right? And, but you have a chance. You can come over to South Euclid campus. We, we, we're sharing uh, with children and youth who are historically underserved. And we're just having a party and we're spreading joy. And Flora's doing such a great job. And, and she, she advertises throughout all kind of media and that. And said, in that, if you're in that community and, and you want to experience the love of Jesus Christ, then we've got something for you. And, and we're, it's free. But we said it'd help us if you pre-register because we could take probably up to 500 children. And guess what? We had 500 pre-registrations three weeks ago, so I have no idea what's going to show up over there. And you don't have to do anything. You don't need a job. You've got a job. Just go there and love people and share the joy of Jesus and tell them it's our honor to be here and serve you. Next Sunday, when you come, we're going to have a little lessons and carols in the morning because we've got three services, Christmas Eve evening, 5.30 here, 8.30 and 11 in our sanctuary. And in the morning, we're going to have a, a, a kind of a lessons and carols, and Pastor Terry's going to share a, a brief message. But then we've got uh, hundreds of dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts for you to take out and go to first responders or go to hairdressers or go to gas station attendants, people who do not want to be working on Christmas Eve. Hello? And just share a little joy. Just say, hey, we're from Garfield Memorial Church. We're just thinking of you. We want to give this to you. We know you don't want to be working today, but, you know, we love you. If you want to tune in with us tonight, that's fine. But if not, we just want you to know that God loves you. Just do that. Go be a shepherd, right? Because here's what happens. When, we're, when we become shepherds, angels say two things that happen. First, 
this cycle of spreading joy, hearing and telling, telling and hearing, it makes peace and it casts out fear. Is there anything more important in our world right now than to make peace and dispel fear? The angel said to them, what? Say it with me. Do not be afraid. Fear not. That's called a theophany, an appearance of God. God shows up, theosophany appearance. You know how many theophanies there are uh, in, in the Bible? There's 365. Do you know every time the theophany happens and God shows up through an angel or God's self or through Jesus, he always begins that theophany by saying, do not be afraid. 365 times. Do you know what that number <laughs> mean anything to you? I don't care what calendar we're on. This earth rotates on its axis 365 times. And it's as though every single day of the rotation of the earth upon the sun, God wants his people to hear, fear not, do not be afraid. Fear is not natural. Fear, fear from flight, yeah, that's physiologically. But, but, but fear, fear of others, fear of, fear of do we measure up, fear of inadequacy, fear of all the things that, you know, we got to destroy those people so we can be in charge. All of those fears were not in creation. Do you know the first time the word fear appeared? After Adam and Eve, you know, slipped up and fell and did the one thing God didn't want them to do because they wanted to be like God. And when God came... He couldn't find them when he knew where they were. There's two people on the planet. Hello. But he at least asked the question, where are you? What's going on in your life? Where are you spiritually? Do you remember what they said? We heard you walking in the garden and we were afraid. Spreading joy of Christmas, the good news of God so loved the world. It casts out fear and they sang glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. And goodwill to all people, peace. See, when we do this, we cast out fear and we make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. This is what happens. We think, oh, we just hand out donuts. Oh, we're just blessing a child. No, you're helping to alleviate fear and replace it with faith and to make peace amongst people. There's a woman who did that. You probably don't know her name. Her name's Grace Thomas. I read about her in my studies years ago in history and civil rights. Grace Thomas was a, a mom and a wife in Georgia. And uh, uh, during the 1940s, 1950s, she worked at a, a governmental office and she took an interest in law and politics. And so Grace did something. She went to night school, uh, to law school at night, and she got her law degree, and she actually passed the bar. And she shocked her family that she decided to run for governor of Georgia in 1954. Now, there were a lot of issues in the world, but if you ran for governor in Georgia in 1954, there was only one issue. The Supreme Court had just passed Brown versus Board of Education and said that segregated schools were unconstitutional. That was the only issue. And there were nine people ran for governor in, uh, in 1954. There was uh, nine angry, fearful, or eight angry, fearful men and grace. And all of them opposed uh, integration. All of them said it was, it was not God's will, except grace. Grace said she thought that was the right decision. And, and see, Grace was a Christian. And she said, I believe that God wants harmony of all people. And this is an opportunity for Georgia to do something great. 
And she preached for racial harmony and integration. And she had a motto. I loved it. Her motto was, say grace at the polls. Nobody did. She finished dead last. Her family breathed a sigh of relief. They thought, well, at least mom, our wife, you know, at least she got out of her system, but she hadn't. Because she was a shepherd. And you know what this shepherd did? She ran for governor again in 1962. This is when the civil rights movement was gaining steam and, and the message of racial harmony was being received in the South with, with hostility and rejection, right? But Grace went out and preached it and she received death threat after death threat and it got so bad that her family had to travel with her to keep her safe and to give her moral support. And she finished last in her campaign again for governor in 1962, but her campaign was a testimony of good news of great joy for all the people. On her 62 campaign, she took a campaign stop to a little town in Georgia. It was called Louisville, Georgia. I thought Louisville was in Kentucky, but Georgia has one too. And it, she decided to give her campaign speech at the center of the town. The centerpiece of that town in Louisville, Georgia was not a war memorial. It wasn't a courthouse. It was a slave market. And Grace got up in that slave market and, and she she gave a message um, in, in this tragic place, this evil place, where human beings have once had been bought and sold. And here's an excerpt. I, I have it from Grace's message that day. And, and, and see if you hear the gospel message of Christmas in it. She said this, and I quote, The old has passed away. The new has come. A new day is here when Georgians, white and black, can join hands to work together in this is six years before Dr. King would preach the same message before hundreds of thousands from the Lincoln Memorial. And this female shepherd had already preached it in a little town in Georgia. The crowd didn't like it. They hurled insults at her. They heckled her. Somebody in the front finally said, shouted out, are you a socialist? Are you a communist? And Grace commonly said, no. And the heckler said, then where did you get these crazy ideas? And Grace looked over at a high steeple in a church nearby. And she pointed. She said, I got them over there. I got them listening to God's word. I got them in Sunday school. See, she was a shepherd. She had heard the good news from God and he shared it even when it cost her something for she knew unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So go be a shepherd in your family and spread joy and make peace and cast out fear. Go be a, a shepherd on your job and spread joy and make peace and cast out fear. Go be a shepherd in your community and spread joy and cast out fear and make peace. Go be a shepherd, young people, in your schools and spread joy and make peace and cast out fear. And when you do, you don't, won't just spread the joy, the Christmas joy, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll rediscover it yourself. Amen? As you go, make peace, cast out fear, and spread joy. Amen? Amen.